0: Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm your host Sean Rowley and with me is Derek Specht. I'd like to start today's show off with a couple of quotes, and the first being from John A. Livingston. Canoeists and other primitive trippers are not delighted to encounter others' intent on the same private experience. How many visitors constitute the end of wilderness? I know some who take to the water in hopes of getting away from people, whether it's portaging back a fair number of lakes or... Uh, simply paddling a coastal shoreline searches some solitude. So when they come across others that disrupt their quiet reflection, they're not too happy about it. And you have to wonder, one or two people passing you by may be tolerable, but at what point does your seclusion in the wilderness become overpopulated and can no longer be considered wilderness? Is there some sort of magical number? My second quote is very popular amongst a canoe crowd by bill mason from his film water walker in the film he says all of my life people have been telling me that you should never travel alone but it's interesting i've never been told that by anyone who's ever done it i remember my first solo trip into the interior and i was excited because it was you know is going to be this grand adventure and it's going to be fun but i was hesitant at the same time because i didn't know what to expect i didn't know a lot of people at the time that did solo trips and, you know, they are all the, the assumption, it's better and more fun in a group. And that's what I was always told. But off I went on my own and I had this grand adventure. On the trip, I learned that being alone isn't always as, one, as easy as one would think. And when you live every day surrounded by the noise of a city and a million people, being cut off from all of that is like, it's like a big slap in the face. About 10, 11 years ago, I met a guy Marcus Rubino of markinthepark.com. Marcus and I connected right away uh, over our love of Algonquin Park, of canoeing and canoe tripping. Soon I learned that if Marcus wasn't able to scrape together a paddling partner or two, he had no problems going out in his canoe on a trip by himself. I'd come to see that he likes solo tripping as much as he loves group uh, group tripping. So recently I was uh, lucky enough to caught up with Marcus and we were able to chat about some solo paddling. Hey, Marcus, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on to talk to us here today. Um, Just want to start talking to you about uh, solo tripping. Uh, So back in the day, I'm sure you were told, uh, don't wander off by yourself. It's too dangerous. What if something happens, etc, etc, etc. I don't think there's a single solo paddler that has not heard those warnings. But despite the warnings, I know that you're, you're huge into the solo tripping. Why do you do this? What's got you into all of this?
1: Initially why I started getting into it was uh, I couldn't find anybody the time to go paddling with me It was always the next weekend or next month, and I just didn't want to wait so I took it upon myself to go online uh, ask a lot of questions in the paddling community, and when I thought I was ready I booked a quick two-night solo and tried it out for myself, and I actually was underprepared. I was very, very cold. It was the beginning of May, um, but I loved it. I just had to go back.
0: Well, that's and, uh, uh, quite early to start a, a solo trip, that's for sure. I mean, any trip is in, in May is a bit early for most people. Uh, but yeah. you kept on going, though.
1: Yeah, the waters, the waters are quite lethal that time of year. You know, and the water's so cold, it can kill you if you fall in. Um,
0: now, how many years have you been solo paddling now?
1: Uh, 12 years now.
0: Yeah. 12 years, eh? Wow, that's yeah. a long time. And uh, with, all, with all the concerns over safety and, and the big what if something happens question people ask, what do you tell them when they say that?
1: Uh, yeah, safety to me is the utmost importance when you're soloing. If you don't have that up in your mind, in the forefront of your mind, um, you really shouldn't be out there. You have to... Well, for me, when I'm soloing, I have to think things through slowly, methodically, and you do literally have to think twice about everything before you do anything. Uh, so what I tell people, I says well, you know, when you go out there on your own, uh, take your time, and if things go wrong, don't panic, because if you panic, you're going to die.
0: Well, that's a big thing, that if something happens and you start panicking. I mean, you watch any survival shows, and that's exactly what they tell you. Don't panic. Just stay calm, think things through
1: exactly yeah use your mind to your advantage and don't don't let uh, panic rule you
0: yeah and now have you ever been put in a situation where you know your safety was a concern
1: um not really I, i've had a few times where the weather you know kind of forced me to change my plans right i mean I, I could have been a fool and went out on the water anyways and you know if i did i might not be here talking to you right now but uh, the thing is, is that's what you have to do, is you have to sit back and think things through, you know, uh, very methodically. I don't think I've really had any dangerous, situa- any dangerous situations. Actually, I've had more injuries in group trips than I've had uh, on solo trips.
0: No, well, then stay away from the groups then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, what I, it is. you
1: get a little careless, right? So yeah. When with other people.
0: Well, I hear what you're saying about the weather and stuff like that. I know I've had trips where... Um, you're supposed to be in for four or five days and the weather just turns sour and you cut your, sh- your trip short. You have to, you know, because if you're by yourself and, yeah, if something happens, you're in yeah. trouble.
1: Yeah, something as trivial as, like, a twisted ankle uh, can be so troublesome when you're solo.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, the one thing that I do carry with me now is the, my spot unit. I've been carrying that around for a while now. So, uh, there is that extra little bit of assurance if something happens, you can press the button and, you know, hopefully somebody's going to come and get you, but not everybody carries those.
1: Yeah, I carried one for a number of years, and uh, actually, I canceled mine last year. Um, Yeah, I know I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking for a cheap alternative, (laughs) but it hasn't come around yet, so. Yeah, well, and... and
0: there There is that aspect of the of the safety and you're paying for that, and I mean that's a yearly subscription and it isn't cheap
1: well the, I think the the thing about the spot device is when I was carrying it, I never looked at it as a safety net device i It was more for peace of mind for friends and family back home well, that's I why I got
0: mine. My wife and uh, kids gave it to me for for a father's day gift, so that they could uh, you know i mean peace of mind for them, but it also has the tracking uh aspect of it where they could follow
1: yeah and i actually was kind of annoyed by that because i had to keep checking to make sure the battery wasn't running out but i mean i never relied upon it and i never actually did have to use it which is a good thing
0: yeah i've like, never had uh, to use mine either which is yeah but like i say better safe than sorry some days
1: yeah there was that there was one time uh actually that comes to mind I was in Algonquin Park, camped on Harrier Lake, and I woke up one morning to find my canoe was gone. <laughs> oh. And um, I didn't have a spot device at the time, but I was in the midst of setting up a triangular, uh, uh, you know, the emergency fires, where you set yep. three fires in a triangle, international symbol for help. Yep. And um, when another canoe is pulled up towing my canoe, it had blown away in a storm overnight. So... He uh, spied me the night before and put two two and two together when he saw my canoe and old no canoe in my sight and brought
0: it over. So he figured that got to be you. So yeah, quite yeah. lucky at that point.
1: I so, was very lucky. He was a good man.
0: Yeah, so I mean, anything can happen. I mean, but I mean, the same time, the same sort of things can happen on a, on a group trip as well. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. We've been with people that that have you know had accidents, cut fingers or feet or or whatever, twisted an ankle or fell into the water and hurt themselves. On group trips,
1: that actually happened to me uh, this past August. I was up in Northwestern Ontario on a group trip and wilderness canoeing, and uh, I twisted my ankle. And boy, it was painful. And uh, I, I felt like I had become a liability to the group. I said, "I'm going to slow you down," or like nonsense, you know, just just relax and uh, you know, take it easy. And if anything's too heavy, let us know, and we'll carry the rest yeah but the the rest of the trip did work out, but I'm just thinking, if this had to happen on my own,
0: yeah, would never had. yeah,
1: yeah, but there would be more problems. And I think that when something like that happens when you're on your own, like I said earlier, don't panic. Um, the best thing you can do is sit back and relax, let yourself heal, yep, you know, use the time uh, just to relax around camp and don't overexert yourself.
0: Yeah, you know what, as as long as you've got a shelter up and food's readily available and water and you've got enough firewood to, to keep you going, then you might as well just sit back, relax, and enjoy nature while you're there.
1: Exactly, because if you're just sitting there minding your own business, you're not going to die. Things are going to be okay. Yeah. But if you risk yourself trying to go with a twisted ankle portaging down a steep hill with a... With a canoe and a pack, you could injure yourself even more.
0: Oh, you're just looking for problems at that point. Yeah,
1: so you're just best to stay back and, and relax for a few days while your body heals, and then, uh, then, you're, then you're good to go.
0: Right. So, explain to me, why is solo tripping, in your opinion, better than going with a group?
1: I, I wouldn't say it's better. I would say it's different. Uh, solo tripping versus... Group tripping—they both have their strengths and the weaknesses. I, I would not say it's better. I mean, it's—I like solo tripping. I enjoy it very much. Right. But there are times that when I have been out solo tripping, that I would see a group across the lake, and you can hear the camaraderie, you know, between the members of the group, and you're like, oh, I miss that. I want that. But at the same time, I'd deal with a group trip, or well, not at the same time, but you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. In another situation, I would be out on a group trip, and I'll see a soloist at the end of the lake. I'm like, oh, I miss that.
0: Yeah. So, so it's it's not that one's better than the other. That it just depends on the time of the year and that and your mood you're in, whether you'd prefer to be solo or with a group.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um. Uh. It's just that's just the way it is. For me, there are trips when I just need to go away. I need to be by myself. And then there's other trips I'm just I want to bring a friend along or I want to go with a group. Right. Um,
0: no, you know, it's like
1: it's it's like telling your best friend you know want to hop in a car, want to go for a drive, you know, same idea.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now, when when you're out there by yourself, what what describe the experience of a typical solo trip? Like what, what someone that's never done it before, what can they expect if they go out alone?
1: Oh, uh, well, I, I guess right now I'm thinking like what comes to mind my first couple of solo trips, my very first few trips. And um, the nighttime thing is what really preys on your mind. Uh, all those sounds that you hear in the forest that you can't identify—they're they are literally magnified in your mind.
0: Things that go bump in the night. The
1: fear, the fear that you generate, will magnify every little sound right. that the forest makes at night. And you have to overcome that fear that you generate, otherwise. You shouldn't be out there. Yeah. You just have—you have to find a way to master it, whether yeah. it's through a bottle of whiskey, or sitting around a fire at night, or putting uh, ear muffs on. I don't know, um, but that was one of my major concerns when I first started doing it. And of course, I would hear some noises. So I'd get up and look around, and it's just a, a little squirrel running around in a bush. <laughs> you know, I've never really encountered anything large at night except for a dog with bells around its neck.
0: Yeah, <laughs> If you remember that trip. Oh, I remember that trip. Thank you very much. There's a wolf out here. <laughs> why does it have a collar? But why does, that, yeah, why does <laughs> that wolf have a collar with bells on it? And there's a... <laughs> is that a great dame beside him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, those nighttime experiences, you know. But that when I first started solo tripping, that was my big thing. You know, you're out there during the day, you're paddling, you're exploring, you're, you know, you're zipping over portages or taking your time. You're getting out the camera to take pictures of waterfalls, thoroughly enjoying yourself. You get to camp and, I mean, after a long day, you set up camp and you get the firewood going and uh, the fire going and you get dinner going. And, you know, you sit there and relax and eat and clean up afterwards and nighttime falls and you're sitting around the fire by yourself and then what you know that, that's that's always my, that's always been my thing and it's like well it's dark and it's only eight o'clock what do i do now
1: yeah that primal kicks in hey eh? what are those noises um mm-hmm. there's a lot to do just uh stargazing yeah uh, cutting more wood having a few drinks by the fire
0: oh the hot toddies
1: oh, hot toddies yeah <laughs> Um, if you're brave enough and if the moon is bright enough and the water is calm, and there's no wind, you can go for a moonlight paddle.
0: Done that before and that's, that's absolutely gorgeous. On a, on a it quiet, is. calm lake, you just go out there and you just sit in the middle of the lake the moon's above and everything like that. There, there's nothing like that. I mean, that's yeah. fantastic.
1: Some of my favorite, uh, memories are of, uh, sitting on a rocky shoreline under a full moon with, a uh, a really strong summertime breeze at nighttime and listening to the sound of the, the wind through the trees at night and no one else on the lake, and you're literally alone on your own for days at a time. Um, nothing beats that. I mean, it's great being in a group, but when you want to be solo, uh, nights like that, you know, the nights, like I say, once you get past, once you master your fear and you get past the... Uh, um sleeping alone at night, uh, it can be quite enjoyable.
0: Yeah, and I think that for a lot of a lot of the people that I've talked to that have, have gone solo tripping, that is their one big thing is it's amazing that you can't be alone. Like how, I shouldn't say you can't be alone, but how hard it is to be by yourself. when you're out there in the middle of nowhere by yourself. And there's nobody to talk to, nobody to turn to for, you know, why don't you cut the firewood while I'm getting dinner ready or boiling water or filtering water or whatever. There's nobody there, and you are by yourself.
1: Yeah, it's uh, before I had done uh, solo tripping, you know, I kind of thought to myself, have I ever been alone? Like, has there ever been a time in my life where I have been alone for more than 24 hours? And the answer was no. Yeah. And, you know, when I started getting into solo tripping, it was because I loved canoeing. I also wanted to escape my life, escape the city. Um, but I couldn't find anybody with me to go the to town. I'm like, well, why should I let that stop me?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're try, head you head out.
1: Yeah, let's try soloing. And the first trip was like baby steps, and I just built myself up to it. And then I started taking a 20-day trip, and it was... Uh, Wow, that was phenomenal! <laughs> um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. It's it is a lot of work, but it's very rewarding. Um,
0: yeah, my I've man. I've never done the twenty day thing. You know, I've I've done the week thing and whatnot. But um, yeah, for twenty days, or I mean, you got to carry all your gear and all your food and everything like that, and you know, unless you can arrange uh, drop offs and and whatnot with with people. But uh, yeah, I mean, seven days, you're sitting there and, you know, myself, I'm just like, you know what, I've had a great time out here, and, but it's time to, to head back home and get back to some normal stuff, and they just get, you know, when I get back home, and they are sitting there going, oh, man, I wish I was still out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I think for me, one of the hardest things about uh, canoe camping, especially solo, uh, is leaving, is having to go back to the real world. That's um,
0: always the hard part.
1: It is. I, I just want to stay. You always, You just want to go on and on. Yeah. Oh uh, Now, that being said, in all the trips that I have done, I've only ever cut short uh, a trip once. And um, that was because it was late October. It was a 10-day solo trip. And uh, I had actually, it was semi-solo because I had met up with a few friends, uh, Derek actually. Right. Uh, And his wife at the time, or yeah, they're still together. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Oops. Um. Um. And yeah, we hung out for a few days, and then I went on my own after that. And it rained for like four days straight, and it was like plus one. Yeah. Plus two, and that you know one degree rain is just killer. And I had had enough by then. I said, you know what, I'm not having fun. It's just time to go home.
0: Well, and that that brings the safety thing right back into it. You know, if you're not having fun and you got the rain like that and you're uncomfortable and you know, that's when your brain's going to start wandering and something's going to happen. So, you know, it's best just to, to call it a day at that point.
1: Yeah. You actually, Sean, you brought up a good point when you said, you know, your brain starts wandering. Um, when you're solo, especially for like you know, a certain periods of time, you know, more than three or four days, your mind does start to wander and, you know, you start to think deep thoughts. Um, Whatever comes to mind, right? But after a while, I think what it is is the safety factor starts to slip from your mind. You start to become uh, complacent. Yeah. So you have to kind of remind yourself on a frequent basis that you can't afford to be become uh, um that kind of person where you just take everything for granted, and because the next thing you know, you're going to fall down a hall and break your foot or something. Yeah,
0: that, that's and when accidents happen if you're, if you're not paying attention. Then that that's that's when things happen.
1: But uh, yeah, for me that trip, um, uh, what it was is it wasn't so much the cold; it was the dampness. And when you're outdoors, dampness kills. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I mean, you can be cold and warm yourself up, but if you're cold and damp, it is terribly hard to stay warm.
0: Now, especially that time of year when you're talking October.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I was quite annoyed by that too because the two weeks before it was a beautiful Indian summer, and then the week I go in, the weather just turned to hell.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> so when you're out solo, uh, you have different gear as opposed to when you're in a group. I mean, there, there's there's p- things that you will leave behind, extra things you bring just because of, of the different dynamic of the trip. Um, mm-hmm. When you're solo, everything's centered around one person. Mm-hmm. Is there anything specific that that you take on a solo trip that you wouldn't bring on a on a group trip or vice versa?
1: Uh, Solon, I, I usually bring a novel or two. Um, I bring a notebook. I like to try and write trip logs as they happen. (laughs) Right. That doesn't happen very much in a group trip.
0: Um, (laughs) Yeah, you're always on the go in a group trip.
1: Well, it's all the camaraderie, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, the hot (laughs) toddies.
0: Hot toddies
1: again. Um, but, uh, I think maybe, um, when I'm in a group trip, I'd probably leave stuff behind, like an extra stove, I, you know, because somebody else always has a stove. I won't bring as many uh, saws. I usually bring two saws. I'll bring one instead of
0: two. Right. So it's um, it's keep everything light.
1: Soloing, yes. I bring yeah. less of everything.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, you've got to carry it all, right? There's no one there to help you out. Yeah, yeah. And what about the food? What is there anything different between the food that you take solo or, or in a group trip?
1: Um, well, group trips, just more of everything. Uh, it also, too, depends upon the length of your trip. It doesn't, re- doesn't matter whether it's solo or uh, group. But uh, anything over three or four days will bring a lot of uh, dehydrated foods. Right. Uh, try to put a lot of protein into it, too, because you need that. Because when you're outdoors, I think you tend to burn more fat than usual. Right. And you need to build up your, your muscle. Keep, it, keep, keep yourself in shape.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you're, you're relying on yourself to, to carry all your own gear and your canoe and do the portages and paddle across the lakes and everything like that.
1: You've got to keep your energy level up. That's really important. Even other, you also got to keep your fat levels up, like with chocolate, right, and nuts. Yeah. Um, that's important, too. Um, I, but I think, though, like, uh, soloing uh, gear-wise, I, I just bring less of everything.
0: Right. And if you can change something for something more lightweight. And I mean, like the de- like you say, with the dehydrated food. I mean, that's, that's a big thing when you're...
1: Well, when we go group... Okay, yeah. So, for example, when we go group camping, you know there's going to be a lot of us sitting around the fire pit, so I'll, be, I'll bring one of those big uh, blue heavy tarps to put over the fire pit to keep right. everybody sheltered. But when I'm going solo, I'll bring my, my uh, scout sill tarp, silicone coated. So it's lightweight, but it's smaller. Right, and it's just enough for me. So yeah, it's more suitable for the soloist.
0: So there's a little bit of, of of gear change between being solo or group uh, tripping, so but yeah. not not huge differences.
1: No, no,
0: no. Now I know I've got the solo canoe. You know I've got the Swift Osprey, which is was great for solo trips. hmm Um, but you know I mean if if you've got a prospect or something like that, that's a tandem canoe, and, and you know how to paddle it. I think it, the only difference is. Is the size, you know, the width and and whatnot. So it's not not a massive difference.
1: No, no, and I think yours is much lighter than mine. Yeah, the, the ones that I have are quite heavy. They're about oh, and they're hit, getting towards seventy pounds, about sixty eight pounds each. And yours are, I don't know, what's yours forty some odd pounds?
0: Yeah, uh, like thirty seven.
1: Right <laughs> <up. laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, oh jeez! Gotta get me one of those. Yeah, I know, eh. Well, Mikey, uh, out in Windsor there, Mike Burns, he's he built uh, them in his garage, and he's actually built um, one, and he was a bit upset because his Caesar strip uh, osprey isn't as light as mine, so...
1: Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, well, what are you going to do? So, Build another one. <laughs> and he probably will. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, if you're listening... <laughs>
1: I'll be turning fifty next year. So
0: hey, <laughs> hey, is a good uh, there's a good birthday present. Let me let me give him a call for you. <laughs> uh, so if there's one piece of equipment that you would not leave behind on a solo trip, that you might leave behind on a group trip, what would that one piece of equipment? What that one piece of equipment that you must have on your solo trip?
1: Oh, I'm not fond of doing the less Stroud thing. You know the the fire bow. Yeah, spending nine hours trying to get a fire going. <laughs> so, so I'd probably bring a lighter.
0: <laughs> yeah, so lighters and matches lighter are indefinite. Yeah, now what about a chair? That's always been my thing on a, on a trip, is, is the chair. Now, if I'm oh. going with a group and we're going to be sitting around the fire, then, you know what, I'll, I'll bring you know some sort of seating device. But if I'm going solo, I'm not necessarily going to bring a chair with me.
1: Yeah, I, I bring a canoe seat or a cushion. That's what yeah. you need.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I've gotten to with the, uh, with, especially with the solo trips. There is just a little seat cushion or something. and I mean, just just enough to put on the wet ground, and you can put your back up against a tree, and you're just as good.
1: Well, when I first started, when I first started soloing, I was bringing everything and just about everything in the kitchen sink, <laughs> and so like I was weighted down very heavily, and. um like that twenty-day trip I mentioned, I was triple portaging. I'll never do that again. Oh that's man, that's killer! Because when you're triple portaging, you're doing, you're covering portage five times. Yes, that's just silly. Yeah. So now I've, you know, twelve years later. I mean, hopefully, anyone who wants to get in solo tripping won't take him as long. But uh, <laughs> it hasn't taken me twelve years. But I'm at the point now where I'm very comfortable solo tripping that I can do it single carry. Yeah, and
0: that's that's the big thing, especially when you're solo, you know, solo tripping is you don't want to be doing like a triple because it just takes too long. And when you've yeah. got your route root all mapped out thinking, you know, I'm going this far every day and then all of a sudden you start triple portaging. Well, your distance yeah. you're going each day is just diminished drastically.
1: Well, you're exhausting yourself. Exactly. Which can lead to accidents. Yeah. And I've... Happened to me before like you're just so tired you start stumbling and it's like oh i gotta stop i gotta sit down i gotta relax yeah i'm gonna hurt myself this is where safety like i was trying to stress before I, trying to keep safety in the most part of your mind when you're soiling because it's very important because you make one mistake there's no one there to help you exactly there's no one there to, to say here let me give you a hand let me help you up let me band-aid your leg um lay down and i'll make you a meal there's nobody you have to rely upon yourself so you always have to keep yourself in perfect health yeah
0: yeah and I think that's that's the key to it all is is watching out for yourself and keeping that brain going at a at a good constant uh, clip to keep yourself alert and alive mm-hmm. so if somebody were going to go solo tripping for the first time they're, they're thinking about getting into it what tips or recommendations would you give them
1: First off, you would you know, alert your friends and family. Give them an itinerary of where you're going to be when you're expected to come out. Um, baby steps is what I recommend. Don't plan something huge. Like, I'm going to go away for 10 days. I'm going to go on these 15 different lakes and six-mile portages. Just take it easy. Like Take a take a simple trip down a creek for half an like My very first solo trip, if anybody knows Algonquin Park, I went to Fork Lake, and yeah. that's off of Highway 60. You paddle for 20 minutes down a creek. You paddle through a small lake for 10 minutes, and another 10 minutes, and you're on your lake, and that's it. So, like in 45 minutes, I was at my campsite. Okay. Um, I knew that if I was in trouble, I was less than an hour away from the highway by canoe.
0: Right. So, yeah. So you're you're just saying just go somewhere really close, away from away from people, but not Too far away, and make it just a day or two, an overnighter. Preference
1: too, right? About the people thing. Some people, some people, soloing isn't for every everyone. I'm afraid to say. Some people can't handle it. Other people can, but there are some people who just aren't sure, and they need to try it out to be sure. And that's one thing to do is like maybe go to a very popular lake where there's many campsites, and where you can see your fellow paddlers. You can see them, like they're with an earshot. Right. And so that if you do run into trouble, you know, you don't want to have to go and disturb them, but you can if they're there. You can,
0: There's that safety net on seek the lake. You
1: can take them out for help and say, look, I'm in trouble, I need help, can you help me out?
0: Right. Now, I mean, uh, I've, I've been on lakes where, you know, I'm, a, I'm on my own site, all alone by myself. And, um, yeah, at night you're sitting on the rocks enjoying the quiet, and you can see campfires around the lake,
2: mm-hmm. you know.
0: So, yeah, you're by yourself, but you got that little safety net that says if something happens, you know, there's people on this lake that can hear me scream.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what it does, though, is it just adds a little, it it boosts your confidence. And um, that's what it's about, too, being out there solo. You have to be confident in yourself and your abilities. And I know that being out there solo, it's, it's a bit of an education. You start to learn a lot about yourself.
0: Well, and that, that's and where it comes down to people can't be alone because they, they've never been alone, and they don't know what to expect.
1: Yeah. Well, expect the unexpected, but uh, be prepared for what Mother Nature can throw at you. But I think most important is you, you have to know yourself. You have to know how you're going to react. And if you don't know how you're going to react, I think the most important thing is not to panic. Yeah. Sit that's- down, think it through. Sit by the fire, keep warm. Yeah. Um, eat food. Keep yourself hydrated. Just look after yourself.
0: Yeah. Be alert. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know what? That's that's what it's all about. Is just relax, enjoy your your time out there. And if you're unsure, then you know what? Call it a day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Don't push yourself too much. You know, um, after all, you're there to have fun. And if you're at a point where you're not having fun anymore, then why are you out there? Right. Um, you're having a bad time then just come home yeah Um,
0: yeah get off the water and and head out with groups because that's where you know you're more comfortable
1: that's exactly that's a that's that's another point you just brought up too because you know you can always try out groups first if you unsure about soloing just to kind of get your feet wet right and um yeah
0: that's somebody's got to start somewhere
1: oh yeah absolutely
0: so, before I let you go here, out of all your solo trips over the years, are there any that really stand out that you would love to do again, or something about the trip that just will remain with you forever?
1: Uh Yeah, trick well. question. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go through them all here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, there's one that I spent on Opiango. um... In Algonquin Park uh, for two weeks solo, right. and you know some people will scoff and say, you know, opiongo or um, Algonquin is really busy. opiongo is just as busy. It is a busy lake. It, it's the largest lake in Algonquin. It does have motorboats on it, uh, but I went in uh, after Labor Day weekend, and you know the amount of traffic there just drops off almost to nothing. But uh, I had some really good memories from there. I saw a beautiful full moon. I had a campsite filled with snowshoe hares. I had uh, owls come onto my sights. I heard bull moose roaring in the bush and stampeding through the bush. Right. Um, it was a great time to be alone, and the weather was absolutely incredible. It was. There was two days where it was, like glass, I've never seen opiongo like glass before because it's such a big lake, and it was just amazing
0: yeah we've we've talked about opiongo before opiongo was actually my first solo trip. I went up uh up to the wow. north end towards uh hailstorm creek and and the uh, happy isle portage
1: your first solo
0: my first solo trip
1: ballsy <laughs> <laughs> no, i would that, never have done that <laughs> i don't know if that was
0: ballsy or a little bit of ignorance but uh you know what i was into the into it just followed the shoreline all the way up had a great day paddle yeah. and um yeah spent uh spent the time up that that end of the lake and then paddled back out and uh you know yeah it, it was just the perfect weekend and uh well, now i've been, been on Opiango after that and the weather was you know yeah, we're 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 staying on shore today, sort of. You know, the weather comes up really fast, but but yeah, uh, that
1: lake, uh, you go on that lake, uh, expect to, you know, expect uh, wind delays.
0: <laughs> big time, big time, especially yeah. in the afternoons. If you're paddling, then you want to be out first thing in the morning, and because afternoon comes, and you're probably hitting the hitting the beach and not going out in the canoe. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful lake. Oh yeah. It's just
0: gorgeous. Lots to see there, too. Mm hmm So.
1: But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a really easy, breezy uh, solo trip for me because there was no portage involved. It was just such a big lake to paddle. Yeah. And, and, you know, I camped, what, five nights on one arm and uh, eight nights or nine nights on another arm, and that was it. And then I just paddled back out. So it was quite enjoyable.
0: Well, it's it's all what you're looking for. I mean, if you're looking to be alone and, you know, maybe see one or two people, then, yeah, that time of year especially is in the... You know where the fall colors out?
1: No, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, they were starting to come out towards the end of the trip. Right. Uh, there were, they were just starting to come out a little bit at the beginning, but by the end, they they were like, uh, they were at peak, so it was really good.
0: Yeah, and I mean, when, once that starts happening, I mean, there's a lot of people down at the south end of the lake, but uh, as as opposed to the top end where where you oh, were, yeah.
1: there's yeah, there was nobody made. where I was.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what solo tripping's all about. Yeah, you know, get out there on your own. And uh, maybe see a person or two as as, as you go, but uh, you know, get to know yourself and get to to see what you're capable of, and uh, mm-hmm. just enjoy nature and being being by yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So. Yeah. Well, all right, Marcus. Thank you very much. Well, thank and, you for uh, having me. It was it was great to have you on, and I know there's some other uh, things I want to chat with you about uh, on another day, and sure. uh, we'll get you back on here, and we'll talk about those things. Okay, Sean. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, and you get back to uh, planning your next trips. Well, thank you. You too. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com, or visit one of their 12 locations, Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton.
3: Well, that was a really interesting uh, interview with uh, Mark Rubino. It, uh, you know, I can, I can appreciate exactly what he's talking about. I feel much the same way as him. Many of my, like, when I my first trip here in Ontario when I first moved here back in 2001. It was a solo trip. I did a six day solo trip into Algonquin Park. And uh, it was, I've done many since then and I, I, you know, I have 50-50. Do I want to trip with a group or do I want to trip solo? What I appreciate about a solo trip is that normally when you're with a group trip, it's like, well, who's going to do the dishes? Who's going to break camp? Who's going to, who's going to be dragging, breaking camp and getting packed up? On a solo trip, you are solo, you're responsible just for yourself, and there's no running stuff by somebody. Hey, do you want to do this? Uh, do you want to take a break before or after the portage or whatever? I like. I really appreciate the fact that I'm just counting on myself. I'm, I'm running through all the daily sequences just myself. I'm not relying on anybody else and nobody's relying on me. So there's a lot of that pressure is off. Of did I do things right? Did I take the right steps? Did I? Am I going fast enough for the partage? Do you do you agree? Do you see that? You know what? I it comes down to
0: compromise as well. Like when you're in a group, you have to compromise on what you're going to do for the day. Exactly. You know, and and yeah, everybody's got a scheduled job to do, sort of thing. And you know, I mean, it's not necessarily a written down schedule sort of deal, but yeah, you know what? I did dishes yesterday. You're doing them today. Such and such is doing them the next day. And the other guy's doing the next. Day, whatever. Um, but when you're solo tripping, there's no compromise. You can do what you want to do when you want exactly, to do it and freedom. knowing full well, you, whatever you're doing, you've got to do it all yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And that's part of the f- the thing I like about the solo tripping is the freedom to do what you want. You don't have to get up in the morning and everybody's going, well, do we go to this lake or do we go to that lake? Do we take this route because it's shorter or do we take the long, leisurely one? And, you know, if three out of the four guys, you know, if you're, if you're in a group of four, say,
3: you know, three of them want to do it one way and you're the guy that says, I don't want to do it that way. Yeah, you just kind of follow. Yeah. And you feel bad forcing somebody. It's like, well, I realize they don't want to do this leg of the trip or we miscalculated on the distance. So you feel bad because you're forcing them to, you know, track on into the, into the uh, night hours and stuff like that. So it's it's really nice to be solo responsible for yourself.
0: Yeah, and your day is marked by what you can do and not what <laughs> exactly. other people
3: yeah. can do or can't do. Um, it's almost they, selfishness. Like <laughs> you're doing things just for yourself. It's a it solo is. trip. Yeah,
0: and that's I mean that's what the whole point is about being solo trip is is all for yourself. Mm-hmm. And but like I say, if you're out there and you miscalculate something, then You've got to live you're with that. You're on your
3: own. you got to live with it.
0: Yep. Um, but yeah, you know what? Like Marcus said, it's you're out there some days solo and you see a group and you're thinking, you know what? I'd love to be around a campfire with a group tonight and having a ch- mm-hmm. chat about what happened during the days. And there's other times when you're a group and you've, you know, it's, it's been bad weather or whatever. And you're just sitting there thinking to yourself at the end of the day, you know what? I would really like to be alone right now and. You know, and you see that person in their solo canoe going, why did I come on a group trip? I should have gone solo. But, you know, as we said, it was, it's all about the day, the trip, the weather. There's so many factors,
3: but I would definitely uh, have to say there's no way I could give up solo tripping. Absolutely not. And it sounds like we're selling or hard selling the solo trip. I do like group trips too. And with a group trip, you have that camar- camaraderie, you have somebody to share the workload, share, share the paddling load. So equally, I do like group tripping. There's, I like sharing, you know, it's, it's really hard to say, it, it depends on my mood if I want to do a solo trip or a group trip. Yeah, and when it comes to group tripping, you got to, if you got the right dynamic
0: of, of uh, trippers with you, then, I mean, you can't go wrong, right? And uh, when you're by yourself, the only person you got to hate is yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) When you've been out for a couple of weeks solo trip and you start talking to yourself, you know,
3: they're... There's going to be issues there. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and you say a couple of weeks, like uh, one thing that uh, I'm a little bit envious of, uh, Mark Rubino and some of his trips, he's done some really long oh, solo trips. Geez, yeah. It's really impressive to be out there for 20, 25 days. It's that's impressive. That's that well, when, takes... when
0: your trip, your solo trip involves hooking up with, you know, three or four other groups during that time you're out there. His you know, resupply missions, yes, yes. Yeah, the well, the resupply missions and, you know, it, just the routes he takes. I, I know he's been on trips where, you know, I'll look at where he's going and think, you know what, I've got a weekend, and he's going to be on this lake on those couple of days. I could zip in there, spend a couple of days on camp, bring him some fresh food, you know, like s- some fresh meat or something like that. Because, as you know, when when you're going on a long trip like that, and we talked about it with, with Marcus, is uh, you got to have the dehydrated stuff. So if yes. somebody shows up at camp in the middle of a solo trip with some fresh steaks, you're not going to turn them down. <laughs> nope. You know.
3: So when you're out there for that long, but yeah, to be out there, that that'd be just great. It would be. I, yeah. I'd I'd like to challenge myself to try that. It's uh, it's got to be uh, it's got to be a personal challenge to be able to spend that much time alone with yourself. Yeah, I mean,
0: I've been out for four or five days by myself, and you're thinking about the fourth day, you're thinking like, man. Like there's nobody to talk to and <laughs> you're getting tired of yourself almost, you yeah. know, but, and you've got to keep yourself busy. And I, and as I said, the nighttime, when, when everything is done and you know, you've got this massive pile of firewood and you're looking at the stars and you got the fire going and it's eight o'clock at night. Yeah, <laughs> <'Cause laughs> when you go to bed at nine o'clock and you're up at four, yes, you're thinking, "Oh
3: man, I can't sleep now." Yeah, it's a rare moment to have a have a late night as a solo trip. <laughs> yeah, and that's
0: that's the hard thing about the solo trip. And But you know what? Hey, there's a lot of people out there doing it, and a lot of people loving it. And as we've talked with Marcus, if you you keep the safety in mind, there's no reason people can't do it. You give it a whirl. And if, you're, if you haven't tried it, we recommend trying it, you know, um, just a, an overnighter maybe to start just to to show you. And there's people I know that that can't do it by themselves and they're they're wigged out because they don't know what to do with themselves. So try I, I suggest try it. Try something close to home. Try a, a,
3: a short one and build from there. But you got to keep in mind on a solo trip, you are self-sufficient. You you have to be careful about how you carry out your actions during the day because there isn't there there is no backup. If you're in a remote area, you have to be careful about how you chop wood or cut wood, about how you walk on a portage. You have to be a little bit more calculating in your steps because there's nobody there to save you if you twist an ankle, break a leg, if your canoe, if you pop a hole in your canoe. You have to be a little bit more cautious where you would normally take chances on a on a on a river run or, or a lake crossing or a portage. You have to be a little more. Oh, I have to pace myself on this one. I have to be more cautious, more careful. Keep hydrated, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, as we talked with Mark, it's all about the safety, you know. So so get out there, take your regular canoe, try renting a solo canoe, and get out on
3: the water and uh, try, try a solo trip I'd, I'd fully recommend it good luck try it and get back to us let us know what you thought of your solo trips
2: crawl out of the tent first thing I do fire up the pocket rocket start the brew wait for a whiff of that wake me up aroma and then I happy camper moment With my hands around the mug Watching the mist rise The first hot sip Opening my eyes French press, ground fresh Dipping back, percolator escafate, gourmet Special blend, you know I say Time with my morning cup a camp coffee Later tonight, when dinner's long gone, campfire started and the dishes are done. A blue mug's waiting with my caffeine fix, and a little extra something thrown into the mix. With my hands around the mug, watching the sun set, the first hot sip. How good can it get? Swiss Miss chocolate chip Dunk a little cookie in it Jim Beam Irish cream Maker's Mark Amaretta Put it in my evening cup Of camp coffee Bear got the food No problem Lost the tent pegs I can solve them. Holes in the tarp That's easy to fix. Oh, but run out of coffee. Dang. It's the end of the trip. Gotta have my hands around the mug. Watching the mist rise. The first hot sip. Open in my eyes French press, ground fresh Dipping bag, percolator Nescafe gourmet Special blend, you know a savor Swiss mist, chocolate chip Dunk a little cookie in a Jim Beam Irish cream Maker's mark, amaretto. It's all about me and my cup It's something that I'll never give up the seat, I'll pour you a cup of Camp Coffee. Camp Coffee. Camp Coffee. Why, yes, I believe I will have a second cup, sweetheart. Camp Coffee. You thought you'd never ask. Camp Coffee. Hey, darling, camp why don't you come on over?
0: You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water.
3: So, Sean, it looks like we have our first giveaway. What do we have here?
0: Well, when I was at the Toronto uh, Outdoor Adventure Show, uh, I hooked up with um, Jeff McMurtry of Jeff's Maps, as we've, you've heard us have a, a chat with him on, on our, one of our previous shows, and we're talking about you know getting ready for the summer and whatnot, and he said, you know what, I've got some tomogamy maps, and he gave me three and said, do with them what you will, And if you want to have a contest or giveaway or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, so I have three of Jeff's maps for the Tomogamy region. There is the far north, the southern, and the northern map. Uh, So we decided, yeah, let's give these away. And the best way to do that is if we have our listeners email us uh, with their best tips for canoeing, or kayaking, whatever helps them improve their paddling experience. Uh, we're thinking maybe you know something that like tying down a tarp, or or the best way to uh, strap your
3: pump to to your kayak, something like that. Sounds good. Some time saving, some efficiency tips, something that people like to do on their own on on their trips. Exactly.
0: So if we get people to send in their tips, their best tips. Uh, email them to us, and we, you know what? I'll call Jeffrey, I'll send them to him, and he can pick the winner. Sounds good. So send your best tips uh, that for paddling experiences uh, to sean, S-E-A-N, at paddlingadventuresradio.com. That's sean at paddlingadventuresradio.com. Send us your best tip, and we'll have somebody, uh, we'll have Jeff of Jeff's maps, pick out the best tip
3: and you will have three of his maps coming your way. If you're like me and cabin fever setting in and like me, you're looking for something to do to get you out of the house, here are some upcoming events. If you're in and around the Madison, Wisconsin area this weekend, check out Canoe Copia March 11th through 13th. In Toronto, the Toronto Sportsman Show, March 16th through 20th. In Ottawa, the Ottawa Outdoor and Travel Show, March 19th through 20th. On April 16th in Kitchener-Waterloo is the Kitchener-Waterloo Canoe Symposium at the Waterloo Princess Twin Cinemas. Tickets are going really fast. They do sell out every year, so get yours while you can. Go to PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com to find links to these and other upcoming events. You've been listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Spest. We'll see you next time.